Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Casey's Freak Show with Casey Coop. That's me. I've been feeling especially free lately because I gave up on my job search. Yay, stripper forever. Okay, just for now, though. Just for now. Because, like, every job interview I went on was, like, a reality check. I was like, oh, my God. You guys have to come here all day, every day? I was just like, okay, I'm spoiled in the strip club. But I've been taking advantage of all the free time stripping allows me. I've been writing for Hello Giggles. If you guys want to check out my article, how my resume would look if I could include stripping, that's going up. And... My friend Evan Kessler and I are now producing a bi-weekly comedy show called Look Up Here. It'll start Tuesday, February 20th, which I think is the date that this podcast drops. Um, it's at 9 p.m. at the Roar Room in La Crescenta. So please come on out to that. Okay, I usually don't do all this self-promotion on my podcast, but I've been just so excited about everything lately. Um, but we'll get down to it. My guest today, who is one of my biggest influences, a dear friend and bride-to-be, Charlie Berlin. Um, but she's much more than that. She's a sober advocate for women's mental health and trauma healing. Charlie recently founded the organization La Femme Novelle. I don't know if I'm saying that right. A center that focuses on female unity and freedom. Hey, freak show. That's that's perfect. So I'm so excited to have you here, Charlie. I'm so excited to be here. Like, I've been wanting to have you on forever, but we're so close that like, I'm like, is it bad mixing personal and professional in a way like I was like I was just nervous oh I was I'm just like stoked to be here because I'm like okay we're just having a conversation that's not in my living room for once. yeah it's always in your living room <laughs> or, or a cafe I guess yeah. yeah um so just to give a bit of background on you to begin with mm-hmm. you've been sober has it been like almost 11 years no 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 I, I like nine and a half. Oh, what I like just throw a few extra years right. on there. Like, Charlie's just so wise. She's been sober for decades. Sometimes um, it feels like it. Sometimes it's like, oh my God, I haven't had a drink in like a decade. Whoa. This is my 10th year, I guess, 2008. And then, but then sometimes I'm like, I was like hammered yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I've been having like a million relapse dreams. Like every night is a relapse dream. So like I've been feeling like I relapsed, but it's never happened no it's the worst it feels so you wake up and you're like did I destroy everything in my life no I didn't okay cool but I feel like I did in my chest and then I wake next wake up next to the man I love and I'm like wait is this real or was the dream real like you're like which ones because it seems so surreal that I can have an intimate relationship now I'm like how Mm -hmm. is this possible Mm -hmm. um it almost feels like the fucked up dreams are the real part but Okay, back to you. What was it like before you got sober? Because you got sober at like 23. Yes, that is true. Wow. So now everyone knows I'm 32. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm not ashamed of being 32. It's super awesome. Uh, I just found wrinkles on my forehead this morning, though, that I had never seen before. So I was like, oh, come on. But you know what? Maybe I'm just dehydrated today. Anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about hydration. The hydration's everything. Hydration's life. Yes. So anyway, I guess. Ooh, I was crazy. I was um <laughs> I was a super nerd growing up. I really like 
I always say, like, I was never going to be cool. Um, I would, like, come to school with a cream of mushroom soup and a thermos. Oh, like, God. It was, like, I, it was oh, hopeless. God. It was never going to happen yeah, for me. Yeah, because being a kid, like, I got made fun of for, like, everything. And I can't imagine having the thermos of cream of mushroom. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was, like, tall and lanky. And I was a math superstar, which, yeah. yeah I think that's cool. Super badass now. Yeah. But <laughs> not so much then. And then, uh yeah, I was always trying to get in with other girls. I was always trying to be cool. Um, I ended up finding alcohol at a party when I was 12 and just became Woo-hoo. obsessed. Mm-hmm. As you do, it's the solution to all your problems if you're an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> and, for a uh, little while. Yeah. For a minute there. For it a hot wor- minute. It works for a hot minute, for sure. And I have then, those memories. There, <laughs> few of, there was few of them, but I have them. Yeah. You're like, this was the most successful night of my life. Yeah. I have 10 million friends. Yeah. I did crazy things. People laughed. You know what? I I remember the very first night I got drunk. I think it was the second time I actually tried alcohol. I was at a party. What? I was 17. What? Because it was so, so not cool. And the meanest girl in school who, like, always made fun of me and made fun of everyone, like, I took, I literally, like, took my first shot. And she looked over and she goes, I like your skirt. And it was like, what? It's like, this magic potion yeah. that I just took. It was crazy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so it was just, you know, it got worse and worse and worse. And I became so proud of my party girl image, you know. Oh, my God, like me too. It was like a point of pride. Like, oh, I got arrested. I got my street cred. Yeah. You know, I dated um, very difficult people. Mm-hmm. And I had a really disastrous, abusive relationship, which I um, am not innocent in that at all. I was equally abusive. Um, Well, as much as I can be, I'm not really as strong as he was. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's like a fascinating thing to look at because, you know, I do not... I think having an abusive boyfriend is horrible, obviously. That's like, that's a given. Right. But what I've learned is in all of those terrible interactions I had with men, for the most part, I often acted just as badly toward them. Right. Um, And I'm not saying every girl's like that. No. But I definitely thought like men are awful, men are pigs, men are hurtful. But I was pretty much just as bad as they were. I really was. Yeah. So... That's been really eye-opening to think, like, I thought, well, I learned, like, men just want to use you for sex. So I thought, I'm just going to use them. (laughs) And unfortunately, that doesn't work out really well for either of you. Right. I mean, I think working in trauma now for the last two and a half years, it's like... I can just see very easily that people go lock and key with each other. And that's why relationships Mm. develop. And whether it's subconscious or conscious it's usually not you know like he and I were extremely attracted to each other before getting to know each other even because energetically it was like yeah we were going to play into this game together Mm. we were going to play into this whole scenario that we played out for years and you know people also devalue or minimize emotional abuse which is something that I'm like super passionate about Me too, because growing up, um, I was emotionally abused really badly, and it felt kind of, I just had this kind of pain inside that I I just couldn't quantify with bruises or Mm -hmm. broken bones or whatever, but it was really severe Mm -hmm. and affected me very deeply, and I felt like I couldn't, I 
like talk about it to anyone. Like it wouldn't sound like anything. Like it would just dissolve into the air and, you know, oh, what are you talking about? You know? Well, so many people have rules in their houses that like unspoken rules in families of like you are supposed to be okay. You're not supposed to be upset. You're not supposed to be sad. If you do, you're a burden or you're getting Mm -hmm. in the way of yourself or anybody else in the family that needs attention Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's like sometimes children have to, um, you know, uplift the image of the family. They're responsible for the image of the family. So it's all that complicated stuff. And with my relationship, I really was equally emotionally abusive. And I regret that deeply because this guy, I mean, we are no longer in touch really, but I hurt him and I made him afraid of loving and I made him mistrust women. Mm -hmm. And while like you know for years and years and years I was like he's the reason I was that way like he taught me how to be that way and I adapted and then used it as a weapon back at him like you know boomeranged it um but you know I don't I don't even know how to like if I was who started it is kind of like a ridiculous conversation for me personally because I obviously had it in me and I obviously did it so yeah and it sounds like this relationship well I I already know this I feel like but it led to your rock bottom in your partying and drinking and drugging um because then he put like nair in your shampoo and yes which is like I've heard you say before and it's just like always like oof like yeah like that cheating on me constantly and (laughs) us getting in physical altercations where nothing to that over 20 bruises on my body all the time it was like that was nothing compared to him putting nair in my shampoo that's traumatic i mean that's real trauma walking around yeah like the worst thing in the world so do you feel like that kind of sped up your rock bottom it really did did. i mean that and cocaine yeah (laughs) oh god that's that's what i always say is like i started with alcohol but cocaine like really fast forwarded my rock bottom yeah i'm so grateful that meth was not really around when i was using because yeah because you i don't think i i don't know if i'd be here today no doesn't it like completely change your brain chemistry or something oh yeah like um, like immediately really it's crazy yeah i've heard that out here in la i've met a lot of kids who grew up in like the valley mm-hmm. said that like meth was having a time like all the high schoolers were on meth like i've heard that from multiple people mm-hmm. that's wild to me it's a big deal right now and and to be honest i smoke crack too because i was like i was always looking wow. for what was going to get me the highest you okay. know and like drink the longest stay up the longest just keep the party going forever you know that's the ideal world for me Yeah, me but too. then there just became you know really difficult come downs and constant use abuse right and it was just like I was losing my mind I ended up uh, in a very bad situation and the guy I was seeing ended up in Rikers Island and I ended up in a mental hospital in Brooklyn that's a a prison that he was in right? yeah (laughs) because I didn't know that when you originally told me that but yeah Rikers is a prison wow and uh yeah I lived in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. and um it just was really bleak And I just, I couldn't, for a long time, I had been trying to imagine my life different. Like, what would it be like if I didn't drink every day? What would it be like if I didn't get high all the time? Like, and I just couldn't. I was like, I can't live with it. I can't live without it. Right? Right. Like, you just get to that place. And it's so, you're just filled with despair and hopelessness. And I was really lucky that my aunt is sober and she 
you know, kind of guided me into a new way of life. And like, that's so cool. I mean, it's crazy. The amount of joy, like, I love talking to you about this because you are like my girl in joy. Like you get it. Because like, I think that I, I noticed this that when we're in the same room together, we laugh the loudest. But it's obviously it's not. It's we can't help it. I know I can't help it. But it's like, look, if I have to live my life without alcohol or drugs or mind altering substances or whatever, because let's face it, I'm not good at it anymore, oh, and yeah. I don't have control over <laughs> it. it. Never goes well for me, right? Let's so I can like I can have those things, or I can have everything else in life. But you know, if I can't take the edge off, I'm going to insist. On feeling joy as much as I can. Yeah. Like, I'm going to create joy. I'm going to look for it. I'm going to search it out. And, like, you are someone who does that as well. And I just love that. Yeah, I think um, I didn't know this before I got sober. I really thought the world was bleak. Life's depressing. Mm -hmm. Everyone will hurt you. You cannot trust any woman, any man, anybody. And... I didn't know that happiness was a choice. I had a handful of people I knew through my life Mm -hmm. who were friends who were genuinely joyous people. And I thought that maybe chemically they were like blessed with extra serotonin or they just never gone through any hardship, which now I know that as human beings, everyone goes through their own version of hardship or their own personal hell, even if, you know, it's hidden or it. It's not as severe, I, I guess. Well, it's all relative, too. It's all Exactly. It's all it's relative. Like the worst pain you've ever felt is the worst pain you've ever felt. Yeah. And I just didn't know that happiness was a choice. And now that I choose happiness most days and mm-hmm. a lot of the time, um, I think some people in my life who were a big part of my life before I got sober like have, have kind of turned away from me mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, keep me just enough in their circle, in their loop to, to like... I feel like I give people hope that because they saw me before mm-hmm. they knew that there was no happiness for me. And I know that it I know that it annoys people because it really annoyed me to see people. I like, used to hate well. happy people. I used to hate them so much. I would think you guys missed the fucking memo. Yeah. Like this world. No, you can't be happy. You're not paying attention. They're, I'm like, they're just uneducated and stupid and spoiled. Like, right. And I which isn't true. When I started being a happy person I was like oh wait this feels good and being miserable feels bad and I'm not saying oh just choose to ignore everything that's happening in the world to be happy but it's like you know I could talk for another hour about that but it's like you know I have to choose to refuel myself with gratitude Mm -hmm. good times with friends and people that I love in order to do the hard work of showing up for life and showing up for activism and all of the things that I care about yeah so what are some like actions you take behaviors you take because because obviously things were fucking dismal before you got sober Mm -hmm. and I feel like I've never seen you like that I've never seen you be really depressed even when you've gone through super hard shit I mean you've been sad but you've never been depressed if, if that makes sense you Thank know you. and it's cool to see because like life happens and life's scary as fuck sometimes like right. what what actions and behaviors keep you healthy and keep you going well I want to preface that there are people in the world that experience depression and that's like a chem and they have a chemical right. thing that that is not they don't have a choice to choose necessarily or the help or the education or anything like that and I'm not saying 
chemical people don't have education. They do. Anyway, but I just want like to make that distinction. That you can actually have a for me personally depression. Yes, totally. For me personally, when I find myself falling into something that I consider for myself depression or sadness or despair or hopelessness, you know, I I really have to turn to a higher power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. And, you know, I have to watch my thoughts and I have to watch my actions because, you know, a huge tenant of like things that I want to present to people with my organization is if you can be aware of your thoughts and where they're coming from and why you're having them you can change how you feel because a lot of times in our society we don't make a distinction between thoughts and feelings yeah I never did for most of my life right and it's incredible how 101 that is but people don't think about it and they don't talk about it and children aren't taught it and it's so important because I could be going around saying like well I feel like you don't care about me and that's not a Mm. feeling that's a thought that I'm having Mm. and it might not actually even be true and so if I continue to think that thought I think people don't care about me I think someone I love doesn't care about me I'm going to generate negative feelings I'm going to yep. generate sadness and fear. <laughs> it's so real because, like, even if I look at my boyfriend and I, like, you know this, that I can paint a picture in my head that has nothing to do with reality, and then I'll feed that made-up narrative because mm-hmm. I'll think to myself, nobody loves me. There's no way that my loving, caring boyfriend actually loves and cares about me, even though he shows up for me every day. He does little thoughtful things all the time. And then I, suddenly it's Valentine's Day, and I'm like, you haven't made a reservation at a restaurant not even knowing what he's bringing over to my house, like, mm-hmm. because my thought will be no one can love me, mm-hmm. even though the person, my boyfriend that loves me, is showing me in all ways that he loves me. I can just suddenly believe this totally insane thing. And then how do you feel? And then I feel like guilty. I feel shameful and like shit that I projected onto him this make believe thought that came from, I don't know, old trauma. Right. And so it's like you're causing yourself, and I do it constantly, right? And so I have to stay, I have to attend to it. Uh, you just cause yourself so much unnecessary pain, so much worry, so much despair and sadness just from thoughts that aren't based in reality. Right. You know, or thoughts about things that haven't happened yet, <laughs> thoughts about the past. Like, you know, for so many years, I had the thought, like, look, I have daddy issues. Uh, let's get it out there. <laughs> but I had the thought that my, father didn't think I was good enough that he would never would that he didn't care about me that I wasn't a priority to him and that thought caused me so much pain and propelled me to make choices in my life that weren't authentic to me in any way Mm -hmm. and it was just a thought because I look back on it now and I see very clearly my father did the best he could with the tools that he had every step of the way and his way of showing love doesn't look like other people's or other people I don't know everyone has different ways of showing love like this is you looking at the situation objectively maybe after some therapy versus like when you're in it Mm -hmm. and you're fearful but what if I just had the assumption that all of my thoughts that cause me pain might be wrong yeah like if I just entertain that thought like that's life-changing It really is. You know, and so I really want to help people start to make distinctions between their thoughts and feelings and start to see where their thoughts are are coming from that might not be real or might might be based off of 
something that isn't applicable to the certain situation that they're in, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have, like, all the family history, all the parents stuff, mommy issues, daddy issues. But that night might not be playing out in front of us right now, and we think it is. Yeah. Right? I I think something that, like, you've taught me and I know comes from meditation is, well, you you teach meditation at a treatment center for Mm -hmm. drug addiction and eating disorders, and... That's powerful because, like, I think with meditation and what you've shown me is separating your thoughts from your feelings is, like, that's a part of meditation. Everyone does it differently. I think Mm -hmm. there's, like, so many ways that you can meditate. I've even had, like, multiple of my female comic friends on the show who've, like, gotten into meditation Mm -hmm. and hearing what they do. And it's totally different than what I do meditating. Mm -hmm. And, like, I love that you talk about watching the thoughts pass Mm -hmm. because our friend Natara also talks about that and she's deep into meditation. Yeah, like... Like, I tell people, try and think about, like, ESPN or CNN or whatever, how there's, like, the ticker tape at the (laughs) bottom of the screen that just goes past. And it's like, look, here's a thought that I'm not good enough. I'm going to let that one just go. Here's Mm -hmm. a thought that I have to call my mom later. That's true. Absolutely true. Going to let it go. (laughs) Just let them keep (laughs) going, like, at the bottom of the screen. Scroll on by. We get to choose which ones we focus on and give weight to. And I love that. I feel that's totally changed my life. Like, I've been meditating the last two and a half years like every day and some days I'm really trying and some days I'm really not at it (laughs) but if anything has totally helped me just sit still Mm -hmm. when I'm afraid and when I'm afraid was all the time I heard someone say this the other day that like it's just fear and I don't know how true that is I'm not gonna say I'm a doctor I know Mm. but I like the idea of that because I would always quote unquote had anxiety I was always afraid all the time the other day I I smelled this kind of like lavender and rose pillow a a friend sent to me Mm -hmm. and while I love the smell suddenly it reminded me of my childhood it brought up a memory and I I was like my stomach knotted up with anxiety because when I was a kid I was always afraid Mm -hmm. and it brought it brought me back to my childhood and I just assumed that I'd always be afraid and I always would have anxiety and maybe that it was a mental disorder. I, I really don't know if it is, but the more I sit still and like let myself just be and let my nervous system calm down, mm-hmm. I've experienced anxiety much, much less, especially like the physical effects of it, like eczema and stomach ulcers and pa- actual panic attacks. Mm-hmm. You know, I noticed that when I just sit still and which I do every day for 20 minutes that like if anything it's like I don't have to like go full panic I mean before going to the grocery store was a panic like Mm -hmm. dropping something on the ground was a panic like and then it all just like turned into like a tornado of panic all the time right and like you have trauma you know and that's you have a traumatized nervous system that's what happens like people think trauma is an event but it's a way of living that that wounds your nervous system. And so little events can cause heightened reactions, can put you on alert or can send you into depression. You either go, it's um, hyper or hypo, which is like hyperactive, hyper um, whatever. It just goes up. It ramps Mm -hmm. you up. And then hypo, you shut down. You can only sleep. You can't talk. You're exhausted, blah, blah, blah. I know know a lot of times of like just shutting down and not talking. And I remember my ex-boyfriend being like, kind of like, are you there? Hello. Like he, he was like scared for me because I it would be shutdown times and I didn't even know why I was. Well, it's a it. coping mechanism that happens out of living in a way that traumatizes your nervous system. Yeah. And you know what? I thought about two things. One, that quote, I don't even know who it is. It's embarrassing. But uh, 
all of the world's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room by himself. I fucking love that. I don't know who said that, but I totally agree with it. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is I was studying at the Kabbalah Center for a few years when I lived in New York, and I loved it. I love, you know this about me, I love like all religions, which is such a weird thing to say because I used to hate like them a all. 180 from what you used yeah, to Yeah, total 180. Mm-hmm. But now I see that they all have something valuable to say and like, mm-hmm. you know, leave the rest behind that you It don't was so like. funny the other day I was going to write a joke that was like Every religion has something to offer besides Scientology. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I'll still post that. I'm sorry. Dude, I um, actually, this morning, because you know I'm into ancient aliens, I was oh like. Yeah, I, oh, my God. I'm also weirdly into conspiracy theories. I'm going to be somebody's weird aunt, like, yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> that made me laugh because I'm like, me too. Oh Same. Are you going to, like, a Bigfoot thing in Seattle? I am. What is it? A uh, <laughs> convention? Okay, this is more my sister than me. My sure, put it on your sister. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm into it. I'm For super sure. no. into it. But uh, she's obsessed with Bigfoot, uh, like I am with spirituality and religions. Like, she is so into it. And so, as like her Christmas present, I got her and I VIP tickets to this Bigfoot convention. Wow. <laughs> Up in the Northwest, where I'm from. I know. I'm so excited. I've never been in that part of the country. So, I'm really, really? excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but this Kabbalah thing, I don't want, I oh, want yeah. to tell you. <laughs> We're going way off. I know. I love when we do, but we do. this is something that was really valuable to me. I was taught, and I'm probably going to mess it up a little bit because I haven't been back. I don't know. I haven't been talking to my peers in Kabbalah in years. But basically, when you have anxiety, it's energy in your body that's trying to get out. And so instead of thinking about it in a negative connotation, you could go hey, there's something in me right now that just wants to get out, whether it's in an emotion or creativity or something that I've wanted to say for so long to somebody and I haven't. I've bottled it up. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of like how for years and years and years I just hated men, and I still do a lot, but less so now. But you know what it relieved all of that hatred is like the other day. Like I was telling you, this guy turned to me, that I, he's an acquaintance and he mentioned that he was watching my Instagram stories over and over. Mm-hmm. And the most recent one was me like doing twerking dance moves at work. And I just thought it was fun and silly and cool. Cause that's what I do. And it wasn't for male. It wasn't for that kind of male attention. And immediately when he said it, I was like, that's really creepy in a way that was like scolding, you know, like laying a boundary and being direct with him. And ever since I've been able to begin talking to men that way and telling them that what they're doing is making me uncomfortable, you know, and not just like, well, people pleasing and like, no matter how discom- how much discomfort they're giving me, I'm going to let them go about their day happily. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's getting the energy out right there. Like, oh, wow, this is what I need to do is just say my piece. Yeah. And now I feel better. I don't feel so anxious. Right. Because not you're not bottling up all that energy in your body. Yeah. Because emotion is technically just energy in your body. And, like, so mm. I think when we lay down boundaries with people, when we speak our truth, everything like that, we just feel more peace in general. I mean, I do. Yeah. No, I, that's exactly <laughs> how I felt. I was like, wow, that's all it took was just to say what I mean. Yeah. You know, which, you know, if you're not used to doing and you haven't been brought up to do, it just takes a little relearning, but right. And nobody, nobody really likes to be told they're creepy, but it's good to be like, you know, I think it's wonderful to be like, Hey, that what you, 
the way you're talking to me makes me uncomfortable. And in the future, yeah, being able to say it like that. But now I'm just in my baby step days where I'm like, uh, word vomit. No, you know what? <laughs> Progress, not perfection. Yeah, it's just it's just the baby steps. Um, This is a perfect time to go to a break because there's new topics I want to dive right into Yay. afterwards. Okay. Cool. All right, we're back in the studio with Charlie Berlin at Meltdown Comics, and the address is 7522 Sunset Boulevard. It's one of my favorite spots in L.A. If you're into comic books, this is your place. There's also comedy shows in the back. I was doing one last weekend, and it's such a fun crowd. They they packed it out, which it can be good and it can be bad because I don't usually get nervous on stage anymore, but I totally choked up. It was weird. Mm. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I think that just happens sometimes. I was getting nervous to come here today, and then I did, like, this huge... I sound like such a hippie. This is so freaking weird. What'd you do? I, I have these, like, Himalayan crystal singing bowls. And What are those, by the way? I've been wondering. Okay, so <laughs> basically they just are, you know, you can play them, and they reverberate this vibration and the so- sound. They're each tuned to a different note, which very is... very calming. Which each note is... Um, connected to a different chakra of your body i was gonna say that sounds real calming and then it's like you give yourself a sound bath you're meditating at the same time and sound healing helps you free up your chakras and all that stuff which i mean i don't even you are gonna be a crazy aunt i am (laughs) i so am it's like the older i get the weirder i'm getting (laughs) and i just like i went from punk rock all leather, all black, right. all the time. I hate everyone. I started fights with random people all the time. <laughs> I threw things at every bar I went to. Oh, God. Like, started fights with women, too. Like, just, like, I don't know, power playing, whatever. Yeah, and- I just wanted to, like, pretend I was, like, the girls on that show Bad Girls Club because I really <laughs> wasn't at all. But I, I so badly wanted to be a badass. Yeah, I, thought, I was trying yeah. so hard to be tough. I thought I was tough, yeah. And it, it's it's really funny <laughs> it's now, like, Charlie, because sometimes at work I see it, and you know, you'll have a new girl here and there who, I'm like, oh, that's what I used to be like, just walks around looking for a fight, mm-hmm. and I always like smile at them, not in like you know a condescending way. It just it, it's almost like, oh, I used to be like that. Yeah. Like it's like watching like my small dog like when he puffs up. It's like, no, you're the most harmless because because when I tried to act the toughest was when I was like the most scared oh totally you know it was never when I felt good about myself that I was like acting tough no I would have lost a fight and I would have fought me like who I am now like would have I would have hated everything about me but now I'm Mm -hmm. like you know what I like being happy I like me too open to whatever I can discover that gives me more peace and healing and happiness like you Even, know. like, little things, like, you and I and some friends last spring went to Disneyland, and I yes, know you love Disneyland, I but I hadn't been since I was a little kid, and I always thought, like, oh, God, that seems, like, terrible, mm-hmm. but you guys were all going, and Eric had just gone with his mom and said it was super fun, so I was curious. I was like, fine, I'll come, and it was, like, time. an amazing day. Like, a fr- like, it's just nice to come around to being, I guess, whatever my genuine self is, which is a dork. Like, not a badass. I'm a dork. Mm-hmm. You know, I have badass sprinkled in there, of course. But sure. Everyone has capable of both, I think. Of all of it. It's just, isn't it nice just to become, like, whoever the fuck you really are? Yes. And that's, like, that is what I'm trying to do with my organization. 
see. Yes, and that's what I was about to ask you. You have yeah. this rad new company, La Femme Nouvelle. I'm saying it wrong. Um, it's tell me enough. about what's the intention of your organization? Okay, so there's two two intentions. One, the first is to create a space for more peaceful female unity, which is something I've struggled with in my lifetime and I feel very passionate about. I think our biggest problem as women is our fragmentation and our division. Oh my god, I was gonna I'm gonna well keep going. Yeah. You're saying everything I was gonna ask. <laughs> we're gonna you. we're gonna have such a talk. And you know, I I think we have a bunch of internalized misogyny and institutionalized misogyny. And like totally. it's you know, I could go on about that forever and I could also say, you know, it's very easy for me as a white woman to talk about, oh, we should all just get together and be united mm-hmm. because I enjoy white privilege. And other women who are less advantaged or disadvantaged, you know, um, can be like, well, it's so easy for you to say you want to get together with us because you don't endure the pain and strife that we do. But my I don't want to. Um, invalidate that in any way whatsoever. I think that it's hands down true. Everyone has different experiences and some are worse than other people. Some are terrible and we need to speak up about it. Um, But we all need to get on the first on our team on the same team first. Totally. Because we're not going to get anything done in these small divisions. And when we are hating each other and judging each other, thinking we're in competition with each other, thinking we're threats to each other's success or happiness or the ability to get a man's attention, mm-hmm. um, we're going to sell out on it ourselves. And it, there's always been this like idea, and me coming from stand-up comedy, that there's only so much room for female success because in many ways there has been only X number of slots open literally mm-hmm. on a comedy show for a girl usually the joke is there's one girl per comedy show and now it's starting to change because so many more girls are doing all female lineups and stuff Which like is amazing. that and but it always feels like there's only this small allotted amount of success mm-hmm. or love or attention for that a the woman. men gave to us right and i don't hate men so that's a disclaimer i don't but there is, they have been ruling the country and the earth for quite some time now and deciding how much we're allowed. And we have to create those those new worlds those, for ourselves, yes. whether it's in uh, family or love or career or with each other, you know, because if we are not on our own team, how can we ask anybody else to be? Totally. You know what's like interesting too, and I'm not, before I'm going to preface saying this with I'm not a perfect feminist I've always been a feminist but I'm Mm -hmm. starting to see more and more how I'm flawed in that Mm -hmm. but sometimes I see how like even in comedy it's it's really interesting Charlie because for the conversation is like that's like my home so that's what I'm drawing from but the girls who are sometimes on paper super feminist like their political views and their tweets are like actually the most mean to other girls whereas like the girls I see on the female comedians I see on Facebook who sometimes are very guys girlsy and making fun of the Me Too movement. Sometimes they're like the nicest to other women. It's like totally this discrepancy. So it's like it's hard because sometimes even me with my like super political feminist views, I notice like more and more as I become aware mm-hmm. of how much I do feel threatened by other women mm-hmm. and I you know, like just recognizing my own pressure to say everything perfectly too, which is 
I understand where that's coming from because there have been people who have been, you know, verbally and emotionally abused so much by the system and by the way that we say things. But we have to allow people the space to learn how to say things Mm -hmm. or to be educated in a loving way. And I'm not saying this applies across the board, but, you know, I'm trying to talk to women who... I honestly am trying to reach out to women who think feminism is a men-hating thing, who think feminism is, uh, why are you a- angry? Like, we still have the same, we have equal rights, which we don't. So there's so many people in this country that don't even realize women don't have the same rights as men still. They we're, don't. We're underpaid by a vast amount. That's part of it, too. There's the pink tax. There's everything. But we don't have the same constitutional rights as men. And... You know, people don't know that, but they're so turned off by the anger behind feminism that they can't hear it. And that just goes for any relationship, any friendship, any familial relationship. If I'm coming at someone with anger, they will never change Mm -hmm. their mind. They Mm -hmm. will never listen to me. Mm -hmm. And I am angry. I am at the way that I've been treated, at things that people I love have gone through for being a woman. And I don't. You know, there's a lot to be angry about, but I have to learn how to approach people in a way that they might actually listen and feel like I'm not going to chastise them or crucify them. Because honestly, I used to have some real fucking backwards opinions about people, about women, you know, about myself. I think everyone does. Everyone goes through changes and thought because now we have the internet, which is this amazing place where mm-hmm. more viewpoints are being shared at a broader level. So, freaking, even in my early days of stand up, I'm embarrassed of so many jokes I told that are hacky. I'm scared that if I ever do take off as a comic, that someone's going to find old tweets of mine that are fucking terrible or something. Right. You know, I've, I think I'm a good person and I think I've always been a smart person, but we're always learning because we're only, we're only brought up learning what we learn. I'm from a small town. Yeah, totally. And, but when people allow you to learn new ideas in a loving way, or I think the best sometimes is a funny way. (laughs) That's 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 so great too. It's like the best way to learn is like somebody, I love watching stand up. I love watching bits that whoosh my mind around in ways I never thought possible because Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, you're right. And cause humor just it kind of masks like all it the really truth. does you know that the latest louis ck special and i'm not going to talk about him as a person whatsoever but in his one of his bits was like he watched magic mike and then he was wondering if he was gay and all this stuff and like you can have a million opinions about that bit but i thought to myself when i was watching that i hope this makes straight men feel more comfortable having fluid sexuality yeah i've actually noticed that a lot at least in the comedy world is like more and guys I know from outside of comedy too, like more guys are becoming comfortable being like, I've heard a lot of guys, at least in our bubble of Los Angeles that I thought are super straight, be like, yeah, I fucked up with a guy or two. Like, yeah, that's nice. Or just like acknowledge that another man is handsome. Like, do you remember? I mean, when I was younger, men would be like, I don't know if he's good looking or not. I can't tell. Or what was like, yes, you can't. I can tell if a woman is good looking or not, but it was so terrifying because of the masculinity do you remember like that whole no homo thing like there was like a phase in high school where like after everything everyone said particularly 
particularly if it sounded gay or whatever, they'd mm-hmm. say no homo. And that that killed me. I'm like, what? Like, you don't have to say that. Like, you can just think someone's attractive. Right. Well, it's like toxic masculinity mixed with the very real fear of like what was happening to homosexuality homosexual people back then you know yeah, it was like and it wasn't you long were gonna ago. get beaten you were gonna get killed it still happens and it definitely wasn't long ago that it was much more widespread i think right and so it perpetuated that that intense fear of what if somebody thinks i am what if i say anything that makes someone think i am that and then the basis of all of their you know what they're saying and the no homo is just like a reaction to that fear so it's just fear-based culture over and over and yeah. over again. I think that's one thing that's starting to change. But you were talking about, um, well, I know, I know we've talked about this. Like when we feel good about ourselves, we're not hating on other women. Right. Um, what are things you advocate for? What are ways that you keep your self-esteem up? Because I know that I come from having basically zero, <laughs> no dirt level self-esteem and Mm -hmm. I know you can relate like how do you build up your own self-esteem how do you want to build up other women's self-esteem so that we're not fighting each other so much right well I think first things first people have to understand what self-esteem even is because it's something that we throw around Mm -hmm. all the time this term and nobody actually knows how to get it or what it is or when they have it (laughs) you kind of just have like a sneaking suspicion that maybe you have it if things are going well and you feel good but for me it's like a security and a comfort and an ease that which you go through life where you feel confident in your decisions and and how you're self-governing you know and I think when you have low self-esteem how you can identify that a lot of times is the roller coaster of I'm better than everyone Mm -hmm. or I'm worse than everyone Okay. You know, and like, so I think low self-esteem, this is my personal opinion, it's kind of a bad way to talk about it because it's not low. It's more like just vacillating self-esteem. It kind of goes with like, well, for me, it used to just be, I had to be texting with 10 different guys at the time who'd throw me random compliments, like scraps to a dog. Just right. Like, that's if you're where looking I... for external stuff <laughs> yeah. to make you feel good, then you don't have it. Yeah. Right. And then, so for me, I think um, I learned from other women who had learned themselves the hard way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Self-esteem for me was built out of doing things that I nece- I was uncomfortable doing sitting with emotions I was uncomfortable sitting with and building a tolerance for that and then I could have more authentic you know conversations with people authentic behaviors and choices that I made that I felt good about and self-esteem really is done by self-esteemable acts I'm getting ahead of myself I need Mm -hmm. to take a breath esteemable acts you know do something nice for someone else get out of your own head You know, um, volunteer somewhere, anywhere. There's a million places you can volunteer these days. True. I remember when I was like in actually elementary through high school, I always loved, I was like involved in a lot of clubs, mostly because I didn't want to go home and I hated being home. Mm -hmm. It was an awful place. But a lot of that was uh, student government through all those years. Mm -hmm. And we'd always do stuff around the community, like random volunteering. 
And I always was like laughing and joking. And that was some of my best memories were like student government times because we're just going around doing stuff for the community and you just feel good. I didn't know that was making me feel that good. Right. I just thought, yeah, I'm getting out of class right now. I'm with my friends. But also it feels good to be of service to your community. Totally. Community is huge because the more that we're like turned in tunnel vision to self, looking at what do I have, what I don't have, what do I want, what do I am I not getting, what is this person doing for me or not doing for me, the more miserable we're going to be. Totally, yes. And and a lot of that is all delusion and, you know, predicated off, off past wounding and stuff like that too. So it's just like going in circles. But when we get out of self, when we are, like you said, in the community, community is so huge. That's one thing I always miss in LA, but I think that there are so many communities within LA that I just, it's so different than the way I grew up in Oregon, where every city is a very tight community Right. that I almost don't know how to get involved as much. But it's even like, you know, make, have a balanced life, make a lot of plans with girlfriends. Make oh plans with guy friends. I've been Go. feeling so much better lately because I have had, like, more plans with girlfriends. Like, right. It's interesting because – so my boyfriend's in school. Last semester, he got really busy. He has internships and a job and school f- – and he has school. And I was just wallowing around at home thinking, like, why isn't he hanging out with me 24-7? <laughs> but this semester – um, I got a life That's great. <laughs> and I really haven't felt this good in a long time. Like I was saying in my intro over the episode, it's like I'm writing again actively and I'm putting on a comedy show right. and I'm shooting a pilot and I'm doing this and hanging out with friends this weekend. I'm going to the freaking Madonna Inn with Zara so and cool. Allie, which like has been a dream forever. Yeah. Like I love that. I love like, fr- um, trips with girlfriends where we just do photo shoots because with my boyfriend we can't do that right I'm like I that's what I used to do with like my friend Lucia we just go places and take pictures and wear crazy (laughs) outfits and it's like being a little kid like with my girlfriends in middle school we'd go in the backyard and put on these wacky outfits and take pictures right but you're not looking for Eric to make you feel better or to make you feel good or to make you feel whole you are whole you're nourishing your creativity you're doing things with other people you're experiencing new things you know and then all of a sudden I'm like why is our relationship so solid right it's so solid because it reverberates it's like when somebody feels good about themselves and has good perspective and healthy boundaries and is enjoying life people are attracted to that or let me say this other healthy people are yeah. attracted to <laughs> Luckily, I, have a, I am dating another healthy person. Oh, my gosh. I want to do We can't go a full episode without talking about love a little bit because, yeah. I mean, I have so many women on here. We talk feminism and love and dating is such a big thing mm-hmm. because I think it reflects a lot of our growth. In, and you're about to be married in a couple months. More importantly, I get to be your bridesmaid and I get to be the bridesmaid for the Woo-hoo! first time. Just kidding. Yay. But seriously, I'm excited. I'm excited, too. Um. What are the thoughts going through your head right now? Mm. What's what's going on? Well, about love or about marriage? Because they're about, definitely two different well, things. Let's talk marriage first because that's so yeah. pertinent right now for you. Well, um, I told you recently, it's this wedding has become kind of a nightmare. Just, I mean, I'm so excited. You can't even say that you're ungrateful as a bride because everyone's like, you should be grateful. But it's also, everyone knows this, like the most stressful thing to plan. Yeah, I thought, oh, I'm so chill. I do meditation every day. I'm a very low maintenance person. I'm, you know, I really am 
generous emotionally with <laughs> people are. around me. You are. You know, and but I've become a bridezilla of sorts just because the stress of I think any of us would yeah it's crazy like the constant communication that you have to have with different vendors all the different payments the family sensitivities that go on and who's sitting here and who's doing this and who's coming who's not who's not answering your calls I I asked for all or the RSVPs by January 21st and I'm still hunting down four of them and they keep being like, sorry, wow. we'll get back to you. Sorry, we'll get <laughs> It's just like, you do realize I can't go forward with any other thing wow. until... And then, you know, combating my own people-pleasing, assuaging my own guilt about it's like financial stuff. It's very, oh my God, it's so expensive. But are you like fucking scared? Like, what's... What's crazy to me is fully committing to someone, like fully committing to a person. Well, you know what's interesting is I think it's a lot like sobriety. Like, I'm just going to choose every day to do the thing that's probably best for me. (laughs) And then I'll reevaluate tomorrow. And that's how I think about long-term relationships. That's how I think about sobriety, right? It's like, okay, if I wake up tomorrow and I feel like just ruining my life, like maybe I'll do that. But I know I don't want to do that today. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, because if I think about, like, I, I love Jim, okay? Like, love him. I think he's the fucking greatest. I'm so stoked that I get to be his wife. I'm happy for you. He's great. Yeah. If he wasn't, I wouldn't be sitting here going, like, he's great. No, he he really is, though. Yeah. We're, like, and I love the ways that we're, like, an old married couple already in some ways. Oh, my God. I love Not that like shit. that we're, like, even when we, like, bicker, I'm, like, this hilarious. Like, I think we're a sitcom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for me, anyway. That's such a cute way to look at it. But, yeah, Eric and I love, like, our, our old people-ness. Yeah. It's our favorite it, moments. It's a little, I mean, it's a weird thing for anyone to do. It's a, marriage is bizarre. Like, you have no, I was so different than I am five years ago. I know. But I think what it's, what's cool about it is, like, we're both just going, yeah, I really want to see if we can stay parallel and we can stay connected while we both just go through this crazy journey of life. And that's. That's really the most romantic thing. I'm going to cry. Oh, my God. I think it's so beautiful. I feel I'm really happy. Well, you and I have <laughs> talked about this so much, but we hear so many people in life and on television shows. And for me at the strip club, sometimes be like, oh, I marriage. Oh, like so taxing. And oh, my wife and oh, my husband. I and think I those roll. people like to complain. I think. I used to work with this guy, and he's now divorced, which I'm not surprised whatsoever. But but he would come into work. I think I told you this at one point. He would come into work and just be like, my fucking wife, she always spends our money. We never have any money. Da-da-da-da-da. Like, she does this. She does that. My old ball and chain. Blah-blah-blah-blah-blah. And I was like, why is he with this woman? Right. And... (laughs) And then I met some other guy, and this is funny. Okay, he's from Long Island. And I met another guy from Long Island. Same shit. And then I was like, oh, and maybe this will piss off Long Islanders, but (laughs) it's a culture. Like, you you bitch about your wife and you belong. Like, that's the culture. Because nobody like, goes around being like, oh, not nobody. But in, in a culture like that, no one shows up to the party and like oh my wife is so awesome she just made me this great meal no you bond over like yeah "Yeah, fucking women always doing this well when i'm in rooms of mostly males like 
it can be comedy or not. Mm-hmm. It, it mostly males who are who are not married. Yeah, they'll just bitch about dating. They'll bitch about and we hookups. do too. They'll bitch about. So I think that's just part of it. But yeah. I also know happily married people and people who have been married a long time, and it's like I look at those people like. I feel like I I always joked about this in comedy, but like I feel like they found the answer because dating sucks so bad. Like dating around, like mm-hmm. I've done it all. I've done all the apps. I've done all the sites. I've yeah. done the flings and the games, but really committing to someone and working through problems to me that's like a turn on. Like it just feels so good, right? Because so there's satisfying. Also like, a there's a couple, there's so many assumptions about marriage that are just like somebody just made that up and everybody agreed and it's bullshit. Like first of all. That it's supposed to be easy. Like, of course it's not easy. Of course it's not. You're going to be growing together. You're going to be fighting together. But it's the most refining relationship you'll ever have. And I want, I chose Jim to be the person that helps me refine who I am so I am better every day, right? And he chose me. And then it's also like, well, you're not going to be attracted to each other. You're just going to be mad at each other all the time. It's like, we've been together for almost five years and our Honestly, he might not like this, but (laughs) our sex is fucking amazing. And Mm -hmm. he says it like, I can't believe that we still have such good sex. And I'm like, I know. And I don't want to then entertain the next thought of like, well, when is it going to go away? It'll probably go away soon, right? Because that's what everybody says. Like, no, there are like older couples. Oh, my gosh. Who's that one actress? Dang it. I just saw it in like People magazine or something. It was really dorky. But wow, I'm blanking her name and I feel so bad about it. Um, But this actress... (laughs) And her husband, and she's, they're, like, in their 60s or maybe even their 70s. But they've been married for, like, 30 years or 40 years. It was some crazy thing. Yeah. But it was just talking about how they're still in love and they still have sex every day. Yeah. And the things they do to, like, fuel their fire continually. And I've seen older couples like that who've been married a long time. Yeah. And, like, I think that's exciting. I love. Right. Something I think Eric and I get off on. We haven't, though we don't say this out loud, is finding new ways to court each other like Mm -hmm. make it fresh and new again yeah because i mean the reason that attraction fades and you don't crave each other or lust for each other anymore is probably because you've got all these built-up fucking resentments and expectations of each other and i can't stop thinking about that thing that he said a week ago (laughs) and i'm gonna fucking punish him for it and blah 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 (laughs) blah, months later and all the passive aggression you know so it's like yeah i get that but if you work to keep those things out of your relationship and the pathway pathways of communication clear and open and there's a mutual respect you might be craving him when he gets home from work Or you get home from work or whatever the fuck, you know, like Mm -hmm. you might just be like, well, I want to send him a picture. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's fun to keep it exciting. And like you've said before, it's fun to have a little time apart. Like Mm -hmm. Eric and I only get to spend maybe three nights of the week together because of our schedules. Right. And as much as I used to bitch and moan and pout about it. It's good to miss each other. We really value our nights together. Like they're much more fun. Yeah. Um. Then going along the lines of like finding this guy that you truly want to be with, I you touched on it earlier with the fucking Nair guy, but <laughs> what have you learned about kissing a bunch of toads to get to your lover? Like what what did you learn not to look for it? Because I, I have a lot of women listening to this podcast and younger women. Yeah. What did you learn to not look for in a guy? What are you no longer attracted to now that you've, I guess, lived through it? You know what? I have to say that it's I I focus on me and then 
who I'm attracted to changes. Whoa. Because it's like the, magic. It really is. It totally is. I was talking to Allie about this the other day. It's like, you know, we the when I change, who comes into my life, who's attracted to me and who I'm attracted to changes. Oh my if I'm God, codependent, so if I'm so obsessing about things, if I'm, you know, needing validation all the time, then the perfect guy who's going to perpetuate those terrible feelings is going to come into my life. But a healthy guy isn't going to be attracted to that. And this isn't all about what they want or whatever, but it's the more work I do on myself to have a balanced life, to feel good about myself, to feel um, connected to other people, other women, have a mentor, have a job that I care about, something I'm passionate about. I'm going to attract a fucking awesome guy that's just like that. That's like the truest thing anyone could say. And it always killed me for all those years, that five and a half year stretch that I was single and miserable. And I I threw myself at nearly every guy. Mm -hmm. It hardly mattered what he looked like. I just there was I just wanted their validation so badly. And to think of how many times I was rejected by men, I was like, I thought guys were supposed to be horny. Mm. I'm pretty, you know, <laughs> but I was rejected over and over because of that desperation. And, and I'm sure they either knew or could just feel somehow that I would be using them for validation Yeah, and using them as like a little pet and using their, co- their codependence and Totally. I tell girlfriends that are coming to me for advice or coming to me for like, how did you do this or whatever? I say, make a list of all the qualities that you want in a guy. Get clear on it. And that's what I say. And then I said, come back to me with you with it when you have the list. And they might write down like good relationship with his parents, kind to kids or has a good job, is physically fit, eats whatever. And they'll list sometimes 10 things, sometimes fucking 65 attributes, right, that they're looking for in a guy. And I said, cool, when you are all of those things, then you'll get that guy. Yeah, it really is like some voodoo shit. It is. I hated hearing that because everybody (laughs) says you can't love until you love yourself. And you're like, and when you're in your depression and your anxiety and your crazy manic addiction, illness, whatever. Yeah. You're like, that seems like an impossibility. And yet here I am today, you Mm -hmm. know? And you're in such a successful, wonderful relationship. And I just, for the whole first year, I doubted it the whole way through because I just felt like it slipped between my fingers and blah, blah, blah. But I was in a really nice place mentally when I met him. Right. So it was about getting back to that, that little (laughs) refuge of emotions that I felt at the time, which was like very clear and very, like, I don't need a man. Totally. And to be clear, I was a fucking train wreck the first five years of my sobriety relationship-wise. <laughs> like, I just didn't. Mm-hmm. All of the actions and decisions that I made were fear-based, and so they always created chaos in my right. relationships. You want to know something really cool? Like, I'll just throw this in there really quick before my last question for you. Okay. is Eric mentioned another guy friend of ours who's also sober said to him, like, wow, like, your guys' relationship is the only, like, drama-free one I know within mm-hmm. all these people we know who are kind of in their early sobriety or mm-hmm. initial years of it. And and he's like, that's really cool. And that really, really flattered me because in my head I'm always like, I'm crazy and I'm going to ruin this. But I've taken action to not act so crazy for the most part. Right. And that it's, it, like, other people can see that we're a healthy couple like wow that's so cool to me right but you also give each other when you make mistakes the space to be human 
So that's like such an so amazing cool. thing too, because it's like, look, you know, you're not going to be perfect. He's not going to be perfect. I'm not. Jim's not. Whatever. But like, can we see that we're trying? Yeah, it's that's new to me. I used to punish myself and punish everybody else because none of us could be perfect. Mm-hmm. But I have to leave with the question of the show, mm-hmm. which is, what does being free mean to you? Mm. Mm. Free means to me the ability to choose. Because if you don't have access to choice, you are being driven or you're a slave. And I guess I actually, that's the second part of La Femme Nouvelle. It's like internal freedom. And what does that mean? Because if we are being driven, whether it's by our trauma, our past, our fears, impulsivity, um, addiction to love, to food, to um, any kind of drug or drink or whatever that gets us out of ourselves. If we're being driven. We don't have access to choice. Um, and, and oftentimes because of a lack of information and education, we don't have access to choice because we don't even realize that we are making choices based on somebody else's beliefs or somebody else's system. And so free to me, yeah, would be having the access to information, education, and authentic self-governing. Holy shit, that's a really good answer. <laughs> I've never heard anything like that out of someone's mouth. Well, I talk about freedom a lot, I think, so yeah. maybe I was a little prepped. <laughs> no, it's. I'm glad you were because that's what this whole podcast is sort of based around. And I make sure that everyone I bring on just carries with them some capacity of freedom that's that I see and that's palpable Mm -hmm. and you definitely do and I think we both have learned that through our sobrieties we can attain a freedom that's just not being fear driven all the fucking time totally um so where can people find your company online how do they get involved where can they follow you yeah you can go to lafamnouvelle.com which is (laughs) spell it for me uh l-a-f-e-m-m-e and then Nouvelle is N-O-U-V-E-L-L-E dot com. And then the Instagram is at la.fem dot. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to get a hold of the I'm I have the Twitter LFN movement because essentially I want female unity to be a movement that people get behind and we can be safe places for each other and support each other no matter where we're at. This is going to be a, a physical center, right, where there's going to be speakers and yes. workshops and yes, I want to have a center here in LA. I'm also looking around the country and, you know, just a safe space for women to come together to bond, to start a community, to network, to just have a safe place say they're going through a breakup and they need somewhere to go and like that is the goal and then the movement is more just based on like I want someone to be wearing the logo on their bag or have a pin or something and if they're going through something or they're scared they see another woman with that and they go that's a safe place for me I can talk to her she'll believe me whatever I'm going through like that I mean it sounds a little grand right now in the scheme of things but we need more of that because I was thinking the other day, I was like, what if I was being attacked and I ran out into the street and I told a woman, would she believe me? And that's, I want us to believe each other. I want us to support each other and to not have that doubt in our minds. Yeah, a lot of socialization makes us even like challenge each other. It's like, well, did that really happen? Or is she exaggerating? Is she being emotional? Is she We're all guilty of it because crazy. we've all been socialized yeah. to 
be the guy's girl and to challenge a woman's truth. Mm-hmm. So we're just, I feel like it's just unlearning and unsocializing. Yeah, a lot of it's unlearning, but you have to be willing first or someone has to be or I have to be or whoever has to be willing to change their mind and open to listening to each other. And so creating that safe space where we are listening to each other to learn from each other where we value our different experiences and are open to acknowledging them and learning from them is like that's the goal i feel like we gotta we gotta end here but i feel like no no no, and i i just keep there's we you and i can talk forever and ever know in modern society there used to be a lot more communal environments and that can could be in churches or it could be there was just a lot of more face-to-face and now that we have so many screens we have television computers phones Mm -hmm. there's so much less connecting and i think that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from because when we're connecting to each other like really practicing connections Mm -hmm. and people had more physical communities where they hung out played games security safety that's when i didn't think i don't think there was so much anxiety going around So, anywho, we have to leave there, but wow, I love this, and I knew that this would be, having you on would be fantastic. Thank you. I love you so much. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. Oh. Yeah, so everyone go follow her movement. All right, this is Casey's Freak Show. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.